Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome, welcome, welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. Goal of this show is always to empower and promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and to empower you, the listener. Yeah, all of you faithful listeners who've been tuning in week after week for uh, however long we've been on the air. <laughs> we are here to empower you to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, every week, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Do so by uh, the quickest way, calling in 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights, two cents, four cents, six cents, a dollar in, whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, call in. That's the number. Call in. We have the live chat room that's open. Go to uh, the show page on Blog Talk Radio. Tune into the live chat room. If you don't want to get in the air, you can share your thoughts there. Send us an email, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Hit us up on the Facebook page, Zero Network. Like the page, subscribe to the page, follow the page, follow the show. Hey, we're just glad that you're here. As you can tell, I'm a little bit on the excited side. I had my coffee, so I'm doing good. I'm hyper. ADD is kicking in. I'm feeling good. No, I'm just kidding. But before I get ahead of myself, I just want to thank God for you all today. And uh, everybody who's listening, we have a great show. We're going to be talking about the diversified religious experience of black folk uh, because of some comments that's gone viral with uh, evangelist Jesse Duplantis. And we're going to 
we we're gonna play that for you, and we're gonna play a lot of other things. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about, particularly uh, the celebration that's been going on all week. The herald of uh, three young ladies who've been rescued by by Mr. Charles Ramsey, who is I tell you, he is a character, and we're gonna be talking about that. But before again, before I jump ahead of myself, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today. We honor you. We praise you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, we just pray, God, that you would bless the show, that you would be with us and lead us in the way we should go. And God, let it be a blessing to all who hear and glorify you in the process. It's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this week's biggest news, the biggest news, I, 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 and let me tell you this, this is, this is what, you know, the American news cycle, it, it's just so, it moves so swift. You know, for the past couple of weeks, we were caught up with the Boston bombing and the terrorists and, and all of this. They, they, I mean, they were doing everything, trying, trying to find out even stuff about his wife and the grades that he had uh, while he was in school. One of the, one of the guys who was, you know, the one who was killed, you know, they wanted to know. What was he majoring? What? How did he perform in classes? Stuff like that, you know, stupid stuff. And now, since uh, you know, again, there's a new news cycle, and uh, what's been capturing the news is the rescue of three young ladies who have been in captivity in their hometown, in their neighborhood, uh, for the last ten years. Oh, uh, you know, ten years, and it's just amazing that um. These young ladies lived in this neighborhood by their abductor for 10 years, and, you know, nobody suspected anything. Even the alleged abductor lived a such a normal life. Uh, uh, he was a school bus driver. It's amazing. He blended in so well, and yes, he was a, he was a major perpetrator of a crime against humanity. Uh, uh, you know, he was a terrorist. I call him a terrorist. He's a domestic terrorist because he, uh, he attacked three children, three young children, and held them captive and hostage against their will for over decades, and nobody suspected anything. Uh, so that has been taking the forefront of the American news media, and I guess it's good because uh, some other things that the news doesn't want to address, such as. Uh, the abortion, the trial of abortion doctor uh, Gosnell in Pennsylvania, uh, the Benghazi hearings, these guys who claim uh, they're being called whistleblowers against uh, what happened in Benghazi, Libya, uh, on September 11th of last year, and you know, so this is taking the the forefront of the major news cycle, and at the center of this. Media storm is a black man, <laughs> a black man by the name of Charles Ramsey. This guy is a character. He is the one who came to the rescue of a white girl in his neighborhood who he he, he describes as being nuts, you know, going nuts, or you know, screaming like she was nuts. So, and he has taken the forefront of this. And, and just like all the other, he's been satired, and you know it, it, it's a sad thing because, uh, well, let me say it's not a sad thing. 
what we're seeing on display is what I see in my neighborhood all the time. It, as a pastor, and I, my my church is in the hood. So what Charles Ramsey, the type of person Charles Ramsey is, the person I encounter regularly in the streets, or, uh, you know, where my neighborhood, where I live. I don't live in the suburbs. I mean, I live right where my church is. I encounter the people, my parishioners are in the same hood. You know, I, I am in the same hood with my parishioners, and I come across individuals like him. And, you know, to some, it, it, I've been I've been reading the accounts, you know, reading uh, some of my white friends. I might as well just say I've been reading some of their Facebook posts regarding him, and it's like, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm reading some words like detestable and shameful, and they should have done better. And I'm like, I, see, that's where y'all missing it. You, you this is why you, <laughs> you, you, you're claiming to be compassionate. You're claiming to be all of this, yet. This person who doesn't fit the mold of what you think America should look like gets on, and he's the hero. He's been hailed as a hero. He's not educated. He is not the best speaker. He is not the best-looking person. But he, in his own words, he's a human being, and he's an American. And he acted as if any other human being would act. If they see someone in distress, and he hails them, but I, you can't help but laugh. You know, you're laughing with him, and there's some who, you know, we black folks, you gotta understand, we 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 laugh at you and with you at the same time. So while we're looking at him and we're laughing at him, we're laughing with him because we, you know, we find the humor in his discussion. Because all of us, whether we care to admit it or not, got somebody in our family like Charles Ramsey. We ain't got to, you know, we won't publicly say it, but we all do. And and so, uh, uh, you know, we're laughing, but it's uh, it, it's not really funny. It's very serious, and um, and and you know, but it's amazing what he did, the courage he did, he had to do. And although he may not be the best portrayal. Of African American heroics, you know, you know, we're thinking about right now was featured with uh, uh, Forty Two, the Jackie Robinson story. It's, that's a portrayal of Af- you know heroism and, and all of these other guys. But he's not the best portrayal, but he did what was supposed to be done. He did a noble thing. So, having said that, I I couldn't help. I had to uh, get the. <laughs> I had to get the interview. Now he did several interviews with two uh that two have been gone viral. And of course, they have made a music video out of it. And uh and, and so I got one he did with a black reporter. And I'm going to play that and I might have some commentary after that. But it's just amazing, you know, the, how how he talked and how he was very, very descriptive in the activities surrounding his his uh, very heroic act. So let's listen to this clip. Uh, this is an interview with one of the Fox uh, reporters, Fox News reporters, local Fox News reporters. Yeah, this is Atlanta. Charles Ramsey, correct? Yes, sir. You live next door to the home. Yes, sir. I talked to you earlier. Can you tell our viewers again what happened? I went to McDonald's. Came home, I meet at McDonald's. I got the day off from work, so naturally you're doing nothing. 
and I hear this girl screaming, and she's going nuts. So I look, I come outside, and I know there's nobody that's supposed to be screaming next door to my house because there's no girl that lives in that house. So that's a dead giveaway to something wrong. And when I came to the front door and looked at her, she said, my name is Amanda Beard. Please get me out this house. So I'm like, ah, whatever. So I helped her get out the house. I ain't thinking that you really that girl that's missing. You've you been gone for so long, you know, you think you're lying. And she called the police, and they came, and they took a fingerprint sample of her, a blood sample, and it came back. It was her. And then she said it was two more uh, girls up in the house. Now, I don't know this. I just helped her move out. You're correct. It was Gina DeJesus. We'll see yeah. y'all And then a woman named Michelle Knight. Uh, had, so you've been living next door to that house? Had you known there were any people? No, because I'd have pulled this heroic stuff last Thank year. Okay. <laughs> my boom. Thank you for restraining yourself. But, so, so you realized who it was. So once she said her name, you recognized the name. Yeah. Yeah. And then I walked down the street, and I told my, my neighbor, Anthony, and I said, Anthony, I, cause me and Anthony talked about this last year. But he told me I was paranoid because I just moved on the street. Uh -huh. And I told him something wrong with that house. He told me, just, just leave it alone, Chuck. And... See what happened. Did you know the person that lived there? Yeah, we all know him. He'll go say his name. No, but but do you know do you know him? It's, yeah. But you thought he lived there by himself? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. To hear some noises come next door doesn't make no sense. Because I know you lived there by yourself. And police took him into custody? They, you know, they, they say they, this is what I heard, they, they caught him at McDonald's. Because what I did was okay, gave I him. Or Peggy Sinkin said the same I thing. gave them the okay. description of the car that he was in. Okay. And I guess he, he, he drives a blue Mazda Miata. They just made that many of them. Okay. Yeah. I think our Peggy Sinkin just, just confirmed that as well earlier. Yeah. Okay, Kevin, Bill, can you hear me? All right. So that's the interview that was given by Charles Chuck Ramsey. And the candor of that interview just amazes me and, and you know I, I like how he 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 says you know when he's asked about when he's asked about um did you know the guy yeah 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 he's a good dude <laughs> I, I i like that the candor that was in there because it was you know he's like yeah i mean of course i liked him you know, they probably smoke weed together <laughs> i'm just going out there i did not uh, you know please please just disregard <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? To him, it it uh, and notice how he says, you know, he hearing woman scream like, ain't no girl, no girl there, you know. And there, there were several other things that he said uh, that were not in this particular uh, audio. But he also said, you know, uh, and this was the first thing that went viral, you know, pretty white girl uh, <laughs> for a black man, you know, something wrong, and. And you know you have to say, well, again, he commend. Uh, you got to commend for his candor. You got to commend him for, for everything. But he since following this, he has since gone on to. Um, uh, he did an interview with Anderson Cooper. He did another interview with a couple other interview, a uh, couple of other shows. But he has made. I mean, he this guy. You, you have to appreciate him. Uh, he he was Anderson Cooper offered him a reward and he said I don't want the reward I get a paycheck and he shows Anderson Cooper his paycheck and he said give them to the girls 
<laughs> you know, given to the girls who just got saved. That, I mean, that is in and of itself is an amazing heart. The guy is, is proven to have an amazing God, heart, and I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that there are some who are who are really going to try to tear him down after this. Think about uh, the other guys who have um, have done things. You you think about Sweet Brown, uh, uh, she she had think about Sweet Brown. I, I think that's her name, and she said, "Ain't nobody got time for that." Or something to the nature, and I couldn't find. I didn't have time to make get that available. And think about the other young man named Antoine who was describing uh, uh, a robbery, and, and he, you know, his hair was just as bad as as Charles Ramsey's. His appearance, uh, rather, was just as bad as Charles Ramsey's. Um, Sweet Brown was just as bad as Charles Ramsey. And it's, it, I, I do not believe, honestly, I do not believe that the the reporters were intentionally trying to embarrass these people. And there are some who are saying that, you know, there's some, no, I, I don't believe they were intentionally trying to embarrass these people. I also do not believe that these people were intentionally doing things to, you know, to get, uh, to, to become viral. They, they were just saying they were there and they were giving the perspective uh, of what happened. You know, they they were saying what happened and, it was just as simple as that, and it, it, you know you have to commend them. And, and some of their lives have been greatly affected by it. Some have not. Some um, some some have gone on to other things. Some have not. Uh, so you know. Anyway, I said all that to say that Charles Ramsey will be experiencing a lot more if unwanted. Attention uh, as a result of this, and because of this attention, you know, his life is going to be a little bit more scrutinized. Uh, for because of it, you know, and I, I think he he doesn't mind it, I think he's more aware of that now. Uh, uh, but you know, my, 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 my heart goes out to him, my heart goes out to the lady to the women that were rescued. And if I understand correctly, one of them, Amanda Berry, will be making a press release or press conference or something. She'll be doing something regarding that. But uh, this young, this man, his life is about to, you know, be under more scrutiny, no more notably by his peers than by the media. You know, we we <laughs> they're gonna be thinking he has money. They're gonna be thinking he has a little more fame. Some might be getting haters. You know, start hating on them. I'm speculating. Please understand, I'm speculating. I am doing some very general speculation here, but that is not to say that it could not happen. That is not to say that it would not happen. But what it is saying is that he now will be under a, a lot more scrutiny because of what he has been condemned by others as a heroic act. And I, I appreciate this man's humility, and I, I, I say this man's humility because he he has said uh, he doesn't want the attention, and and this is these are his words. He says he doesn't want the attention. Uh, people are labeling him a hero, and he says he's an American, a human being. He works for a living. He just did the right thing. 
And you have to say that that is indeed a good way to be. So I commend you, Mr. Ramsey, and I commend <laughs> and please, please, you know, they've made music videos after this. Some people are laughing. Some people are, uh, you know, they're laughing at him and not with him. And I tell you, you have to appreciate the heart of this man and appreciate the act and courage of this man. And I, I do pray that his life transforms for the better. I really do. I'm sure it will, and I, I pray that it does. Uh, and I pray that someone, uh, that others, I, I uh, pray that others will do the same. You know, start looking beyond themselves and really actually look, uh, look to some. You know, look and care about the others who are involved. So, I kind of rambled on about that. I'm gonna take me a break. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it's always a good thing. It, it really is always a good thing when you have something like that. So, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back from this break, we'll get into the topic for the day. Verse 5, Black History, you know, religious experience of black people. And all the things. So, be back right up. Jackson, Mississippi area, I would like to take the time to invite you to join myself and the New Bethel AME Church family for a wonderful series of home group studies that we are engaging. Studies include topics such as asking God your hardest questions. Other topics will be discovering every man's battle dealing with sexuality and sexual sins for men. So there's so many other things that we're involved in. And I'd like to take the time just to invite you to come out to New Bethel Amy Church in 2202 Decatur Street, Jackson, Mississippi, and join us for these and many other wonderful classes and opportunities just to share in God's Word. Um, always welcome to come, and we'd love to have you there. As New Bethel, come on out and share a time of fellowship and study and insight with us. Thank you. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. 
I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive's claim service. Dad. Listen, we're going to go broke unless we figure out a way to divvy up the oh, shared data plan fairly. So, uh, whoever's fathered the most children gets the most data. Let's just do it by hair. Body hair? Most dental work. What? Stop downloading and stop liking everything. It should be by who has the least amount of cartilage in their left knee. Just want to take a bath. Say no to sharing. Say yes to Sprint. With truly unlimited data, text, and calling. Welcome back to Zero Today again. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Glad that you're joining us today. We're glad that you're uh, tuned in, locked in, locked down, whatever it may be. Yeah, on the air with me. And I tell you, I'm excited. You know, every week uh, I get some wonderful reviews, comments, and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. I just appreciate you guys. And, you know, I look at at where we're growing as an audience, and I just got to say, guys, you – you make me love doing this show. I have fun. <laughs> it channels my ADD. What can I say? Anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, so let let me get back on task. Let me focus. Uh, drink a little coffee here. So, uh, main topic we were talking about today is uh, Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis is a, a televangelist, and some of you may be familiar with him. Some of you may not be. Uh, he He's... Uh, walks around with these circle of Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar, all those guys, and Jerry Savelle. And he's a pretty, you know, he's one of those televangelists that uh, you can't help but like. He's a likable guy, and I like him because, of course, he, you know, he's from New Orleans. You can't help but love a guy now, you know, represent home. Got <laughs> But he's one of those likable guys, and I think he kind of missed his calling because, he does more joke telling in his sermon, and you know he's like a wannabe comedian. So you know he he, he jokes quite a bit. Uh, he's like the jester of Christian evangelism. You know I I, I don't know I'm just saying that. But it, anyway, so recently I don't know when this was made. Recently he made some comments about black people that have that has now gone viral. And some people have found it offensive. Some people have 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 not. Some people have questioned his motive, whatnot. But I have the clip, and I'm going to play the clip. It's a little over three minutes long, so bear with the clip. And you know, we're going to come back and get some commentary. But 
I, you know, the perspective that he places in here is that all black folk have the same type of uh, religious history and background. And my argument against that is that that's not true. It's not accurate. And as a pastor, while I am Christian, I do understand that culturally we are as diverse black people. We are probably perhaps the most culturally diverse set of uh, ethnic group there is, you know, aside from white people. You know, white people can trace theirs. You know, they got the Italian, they got the Irish, (laughs) they got the Greek, they got all that. Black folk, we we just got ghetto, then we got hood, (laughs) then we got suburban, and we got a wannabe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but let me play this clip. And, and then we'll come back and have some commentary. So uh, this is uh, uh, Pastor Jesse Duplantis talking about black people and their uh, religious experience. And some of the questions that were asked about the black race. Can I just add my two cents? Now, I know something about black people because I was raised around black people. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white guy, I think. My family, you never really know. You just show up at the hospital and take whatever color comes. <laughs> but there's been a really, uh, Satan has tried to destroy the black race for many, many years. And I want to tell you why, my opinion. I was telling Brother Bill about that in the back. I am an avid student of reading. I have a phenomenal library and every kind of subject you can think of and beside the Bible. And I realized and I studied a lot of different nationalities and creeds and I found that the only race that ever did this was the black race. That we're in slavery for over 400 years. Yet they have such a terrible thing today on black on black violence. You see it, you hate, you hate for night to come. Because uh, a young black man's going to die. Somebody's going to get shot, something terrible. And I thought, why is there such, such animosity among the black people for black people? And then when I studied, I began to realize that for 400 years, the black man was, and the black woman was put in slavery. You were hung, burned, raped, shot, you know, shot, stolen from. Yet it's the only race that sang Amazing Grace while it happened. Never blamed God. Still taught your children about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. While you were being raped, hung, put on fire, destroyed. The only race that literally said, we will not blame God for this terrible tragedy. Sang Amazing Grace wonderful spirituals because Satan knew there was great talent given to the black race and he thought he could destroy you by burning you, hanging you killing you denying your children education, everything you could possibly think of but you still kept giving God glory you still kept singing amazing grace still teaching your children. So he said, the only way you can destroy this race is from within. And now his last 
bastion of what he's trying to do is cause you to hate each other. But I'll tell every black man, woman, boy, and girl, if you go back to singing Amazing Grace, he's going to go to hell. You'll quit killing each other. If you go back to your ancestors that refused to deny God and His grace, then this junk will stop. I'm Jesse Duplantis and I approve this message. All right. Uh, so that's the that's the clip by Jesse Duplantis. And if you listen, he 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 said some very valid arguments. We are, and, and you have to appreciate this that he's saying it. But again, part of the problem is that he's a white man. Well, he's he's a Cajun man saying it. <laughs> Cajun classified a whole different category. <laughs> but you know, he's addressing this from a perspective that black pastors are completely ignoring, or if not ignoring. Completely, they you know they're turning the other, they're turning the eyes away from it. And yes, there are some black pastors who are addressing that. There are pastors who are in Chicago who are who just because of you know the incessant violence that has been going on in that city, that they have been they have finally rallied enough courage to speak out against it. But they, I mean, think about how, how long that that was plaguing that city. You know, Chicago averaged. What about four or five hundred murders a year, primarily from blacks? New Orleans is still one of the most violent cities in the country, even after Katrina. For a couple of years after Katrina, there was you know we didn't see it, but once the Negroes came back, you know the violence returned. And um, so, so in that in that context, yes, there is a degree a degree of self hate that uh, that we are seeing. And it's the same thing, you know. Same argument can be made for those who, uh, those who use the same argument for uh, genocide regarding uh, abortion in the black community. That's a whole different show for a whole different time. But uh, when he says that if we get back to singing "Amazing Grace," and that we weren't mad at God, they weren't mad at God or angry at God uh, for what they were experiencing. That, unfortunately, that is not the truth. <laughs> Not necessarily the whole truth. There were some. There were some who, you know, just went with the flow. You know, took the punches and and stayed in their lane during that time. But there were a vast majority who did not stay in their lane, who rose above and rose up. And those folk, you know, think about Nat Turner and those guys. Nat Turner was a preacher. But Nat Turner, you know, he, he he was a revolutionary. And same thing, same thing with um, Harriet Tubman, you know, revolutionary. And as far as we know, Harriet Tubman did not have a uh, Christian faith. We we would like to believe that she did, but there is no evidence to that. Uh, she may have believed in in God. Uh, we don't know. There's no there's no evidence that she was a uh, Christian believer. Per se, so I'm just saying. But a vast majority of them, who were, uh, when you read through some of the historical uh, records, they were angry. They they trusted God, but they were also angry at God, and that's why they compared themselves to the children of Israel. 
they understood that um, some saw it as punishment, some saw it as a need for deliverance, others saw it as, you know, just God being mean to them. I, you know, I'm just saying that like that. That's not, again, that's not probably the best way to put it. So, and and even now, um, we 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 have such a diverse uh, meaning, uh, a diverse means of uh, articulating our faith. And just seeing an amazing grace is what I believe. I'm just saying. It. Just seeing an amazing grace will be insufficient. Now, I know that in a broader context where he was saying, you know, getting back to church and getting back. And, yes, I completely agree with that. If we do get back to the church, uh, well, back to a deeper spiritual grounding, that we will have a greater sense of unity, a greater sense of uh, of, of family and community and uh, but again, that goes that entails us appreciating more than just the old church, the old ship of Zion, and all of that. That entails us appreciating the diversity that we have as a people. And right now, the diversity is being shut up. It, it, it literally is being shut up because we are not even finding we we have no no longer have a common shared value. Or a common shared goal. That is the difference between us black folk now and the black folk 60 years ago during the civil rights movement. Uh, us black folk now, we have no common shared experience. Uh, aside from our mamas and grandmamas and them going through that struggle, we, right now we have no common shared experience. We have nothing. Uh, uh, many of us are trying to rally behind President Obama as a shared experience for black America. Unfortunately, he doesn't share that. He is not sharing that with us. And, you know, you had 96% of us voting for him, but <laughs> he's not supporting any of the things that we feel are major for us. And I know that's a side tangent. If, you know why I may not directly deal with the religious experience. It does in a sense because uh, up until 50 years ago, the religious experience dominated the exercise of our liberty. Everything was grounded in that. What we went through, we went through religiously, and religiously I mean in a very broad sense, as far as a faithfulness to the Seeing us free from the oppression of Jim Crow, the oppression of segregation, the oppression of all of that stuff, we religiously took that it took that to heart, and also religiously in the church because folks gathered the meetings for these for the Jim you know for the, for rights you know civil rights and all that were held at churches most of the time. The leaders were pastors and preachers, uh, men and women of God. Uh, who feared God, who loved themselves, loved their people, and were willing to uh, accept all the consequences for that. We do not have that today. We don't have. We have a bunch of cowardly pastors, and I can say that because I'm one. We have a bunch of cowardly pastors who are allowing various 
segments of society to claim a legacy that does not belong to them, and they feel that they are entitled to claim such legacy to get rights. Uh, well, not not rights, because I don't even want to say rights, but uh, privileges uh, such as same-sex marriage, such as abortion, and, and, and such as whatever, whatever. I'm being generalized because those are two major hot-button issues. While pastors remain quiet, and when they don't, when they do talk, and I can say this because I've done this myself. I've been a part of that. You know, you 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 don't want to stir the butt the pot up. You you, don't, you know you don't want to go against the grain. You'll speak out against it, but you don't want to speak out too much because you want to keep your reputation, especially if you're an ambitious person. You you don't want to do it. so and things like that. Look, I'm gonna take a quick break. Um, and when we come back from this break, we'll finish finish up the discussion. Um, I, I think it's a good kind. So if you have some questions or comments, call 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your your name. Your, not your name. <laughs> I was about to say get your name on the roll. <laughs> That's the number to call to get your uh, thoughts insight on the air, whatever that may be. So we'll be back right after this, all right? Use my 
rocks can push muddy water around. Swiffer WetJet's new upgraded solution helps prevent streaks and residue to reveal more shine than a mop or your money back. You know what, guys? It is the last minute. That's right. It's the last minute to shop for Mother's Day. Now, I know some of you guys are going to wait till Sunday and you're going to show up and give mom the best gift. But why wait? How about you get the gift now? Go to, you know, go to proflowers.com. When you go to proflowers.com, you'll find some of the best bouquets that you can ever find. And I'm telling you, they got a beautiful assortment. Whatever you can think of, from lilies to orchids to uh, spring lilies, you know, whatever you can think of, they got it. And you can get it now. Matter of fact, they have some great deals. You can go through and find some as low as nineteen ninety nine with free vases and everything. And right now, if you go to the website right now, you can get 50% off your second bouquet. All you have to do is just go to proflowers.com. And when you get there, you know, go up to the right-hand corner there and click on that little radio microphone. Enter the code CH50, and you will get a great deal, great discount. Good, good deal. Blah, blah, blah. Great discount. So don't put off, don't procrastinate. Get your mom, get your wife, get your sister, get your significant other, get whoever is very important to you some good gifts for Mother's Day. Proflowers.com. I tell you, guarantee you love it. And if you want to order online, simply go to www.proflowers.com or call 1-800-580-2913. Get them a gift that lets them know that you love them because I know you do. I know you love your mama. <laughs> so take that, do that right now. The Game of Life with the Prius C, a high-stakes world where some descend into total loserdom while others triumphantly return home to their Tudor houses. The real game of life is no more forgiving, but luckily you're ready to grab it by the throat and jujitsu it into submission. And with all the important things to do and places to go, you're going to need a game piece that will move you to the next level. That car, my friends, is the all-new 53-mile-per-gallon rated Prius C from Toyota. Yes, Bob! Yes, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Feel the Holy Spirit. Let him move. Funny songs and uh, it was one of those church songs they did. I thought it was funny. So, 
anyway, so we're talking about uh, Jesse Duplantis' comp comments and uh, diversified religious experience of black people. Now, I come out to church, and I know a lot of my listeners, uh, you, you're listening because, you know, uh, you're either in the church or, or you know, some some form, you're, you have some connection to the church, uh, and you enjoy listening to my voice. <laughs> but but a vast majority of you have had some church background, but not all of you have. And I have listeners who are atheists. I have listeners who are uh, spiritual. I like that term. It's so, so broad and vague. Uh, and I have those who are naturalists, some who are uh, agnostics and you know they're not quite atheist, not quite believer, but they have a, a, a some type of faith point, uh, centered faith. So things like that, I, I appreciate the diversity of my my audience. But I don't think uh, that black people are aware of their diversity, even within the church. You think about uh, in the black church, you have uh, my group, the 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 sophisticated. Uh, group, which is you know Methodist in particular. I'm just saying the Methodist. Um, you know we're the sophisticated, somewhat bougie group, and 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 we we you know we're a little bit stiff and lethargic in worship at times, but we can get a little loose. Then you have the Pentecostal or uh, the Church of God in Christ, that, and they are the shouting folk, and you know they shout over anything, <laughs> literally. Shout over anything. I uh, I could tell you some stories, but I, I won't go there. Then you have the Baptists. Baptists are a particular group. I mean, they are an interesting bunch. And I could talk because I came at the Baptist church. Uh, preachers are the more classier and the more prolific, supposedly, and definitely some of the raunchiest. They, they the Baptist preachers have their worst reputations. Aside from Kojic preachers who have some bad reputations, but Baptists by far lead. They lead the bunch. Um, and and, and just, so that's just within the Christian uh, frame. And then when you get into really, I, I argue this quite a bit. Black people do not really fully actualize their religious faith as they should, uh, black people today. And I, I think about having been to Africa and having uh having some friends who have lived in Africa, you know, you know, you visiting and living there are two different things and seeing uh as one person has described that African Christianity is a mixture of animism and um ancestor worship in addition to the Christian Aspects and Christian parts of it. It's a really interesting uh, dichotomy of worship. And, and same thing when you when you come here on the West, you find the same thing in the Haitian worship. Haitian worship, you know, uh, indigenous Haitian worship is lively. Some of the same aspects as you would see in a Pentecostal church with the shouting and the gel, you know, the praying and uh, tongues and things of that nature. You find in those uh more naturalistic uh religious experiences and, and that diversity is what made us strong the diversity of the slaves during that time knowing that they weren't all from the same region you know they 
uh, yes, most of them came from the western coast of Africa. But then there were those who were coming, you know, when they came from that western coast of Africa, they went to the Caribbean, and, and then they were shipped from the Caribbean to the States, or shipped from the Caribbean, or shipped from, from Spain, Portugal, you know, the the western and eastern Caribbean. It is very distinctive. But from the, from the western Caribbean to the States, from the eastern Caribbean to the States, and and, and you find some of those uh, those green still existing in some forms within uh, Black Christianity, and even in the Gullah Gullah region of Carolinas, you know South Carolina in that area, you find those people still holding on to their ancient Western African traditions, even though it's expressed slightly different. And in Haiti, you know. It is expressed in voodoo and some, you know, even in New Orleans and so. <laughs> What's interesting is that when we see how diverse we are, then we realize it's that diversity that gave strength to the Christianity that we are now seeing. That's why the black church was so strong. The diversity, you know, you could go to a Baptist church and they had the call and response. And then you'd go to a Pentecostal church in the earlier 20th century, a black Pentecostal church, and they, they didn't have the call and response in the same way the Baptist church had. Baptist had the Dr. Watts that they adopted and, and they sang. But the Pentecostals took those little uh, one-line hymns that they would make up on the spur of the moment and sang them for 45 minutes per person, <laughs> you know, one one person would sing one line for 20 minutes, and then another person take it up and then go to another. And you see, that kind of diversity intertwined with the same sense of struggle is what led to us having that kind of faith, the kind of faith that Jesse Duplantis was talking about. And I, my argument is that once that is re-embraced, once we understand and are able to articulate, own up to it and articulate it, we will have a greater sense of unity and strength. You know, because right now we 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 don't have that as a people, and particularly as a black church. And I use the black church in a very generalized and broad sense, because I you know I hear it all the time. Well, there ain't but one church. Yeah, there's one church, of course, but. <laughs> There's one church, but I, dare, I, I doubt very seriously if you see more black, I mean, white people coming to a, a church pastor by a black man. That, you know, uh, yeah, you have that every now and then, but blacks are more likely to go to a church pastor than a white man and fill their pews, fill their seats, than white people come to a church pastor by a black man. That did happen, though, with uh, Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was the first person to have a racially diverse congregation where he had more white people than black folk in his congregation. But he also embraced the mystical side of Christianity. He also was a little more liberal in some of the things that he did. He was, you know, he was almost he was he was just a wonderful, wonderful uh idealization, if that's a word, of what we would see in heaven. Yeah, for those of us who think we're gonna go there. <laughs> But my, 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 my argument is this. We as a black church, as black pastors, have become more constrained and restrained to orthodoxy 
and to doctrine and to dogma that oppresses us, limits us, and even denies us in a lot of places. And we will proclaim, we will hold steadfastly to that. They'd rather be free. And that's why I can't understand some people who, uh, you know, take certain things, particularly uh, certain social messages, uh, social messages, social ideas that are perpetuated by white evangelicals. And I'm not being racist. I'm just telling you how it is. When they take these things and they perpetuate them, and it's almost as if they are, they are basically saying, you know, I don't care about myself, but these people have more knowledge. These people have more resources and all these things, and I'm going to take their 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 side of the argument. It, you know, it just baffles me. Now, that is not saying that you can't agree with social um, social narratives, some social narratives, or some social uh, ideals, and some social things that that are really real and uh, Excuse me. Really uh, oppressive to our people of color. You should speak out against that, and I do. But to just take one message and run with it ignorantly, even when it's especially when it's perpetuated by people who are uh, looking to oppress you more than anything else. That's just me. I don't know anything. You know what do I know? I'm a southern boy. (laughs) I'm a Cajun man. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm Methodist. I, I, what do I know? <laughs> but I, I, I think, I think that um, Jesse Planters was he, he made a very good point. But then again, I also, I also think he was kind of pandering to his audience in so many ways. In so many ways, I can't say that because I wasn't there, and I cannot take his well, the statements out of context because I'm sure he said a whole lot more out of that. Aside from these three minutes that we heard, but what I can say is that we as black pastors, we need to step up to the plate. I mean, our people are being destroyed with knowledge, not for the lack of knowledge. We got too much knowledge. That's the problem. What we're being destroyed. What's worse is that we have the knowledge, and I imply, you know, we're not, we're not actualizing that knowledge. We're not putting it where it needs to be. We're not doing what needs to be done with the knowledge that we have to empower people. That's why we still have the highest poverty rate. That's why we still have the highest rates of HIV and AIDS among our people on on two continents, here in the States and in Africa. That's why we still have the highest education, you know, the lowest education graduation rates. We have so much stuff that we are we have the power to correct, yet we are not doing it. And I am determined to be one of those pastors who who won't settle for it. I honestly will not settle for it, and I will speak up for it, speak up against it. I know it will cost some things, you know, but, hey, I made enough mistakes to know that sometimes making mistakes is good. I know, I, I know that until you say what needs to be say, said, do what needs to be done, be where needs to be beat. Where you need to be beat. Uh, need to be. Uh, certain things won't change. So, uh, what can I say? All I can say is, we need to do better. We can't do better. And uh, appreciating our diversity is part of that. Recognizing that you know we ain't all the same thing. We ain't all the same thing. But 
we can all help and we can all make a difference in some way, somehow. So uh I think I done said my piece for today. <laughs> so uh appreciate you listening for us. Again, anytime you want to catch up to any broadcast, you can simply do that. We're we're on iTunes, go listen, follow up on iTunes, catch the show on anything, any um uh any archive show on blogtalkradio.com. So this until then this is Pastor Neil. I gotta go. I appreciate you listening. We are out until next week for another episode of Zero Today. God bless you. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.